Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi and welcome to the Robots Podcast episode 174. My name is Jana and today we will have a bit of fun with Looney the Robot and his human partner Hunter Lloyd. But first, as always, here are the news with Christine. Thank you, Jana. Is the Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA, making progress with drone regulations? On January 6, the FAA granted two exemptions for commercial use of unmanned aircraft systems in U.S. airspace for real estate and agricultural crop scouting. However, both exemptions are restrictive in that they require the operator to maintain line of sight with the aircraft at all times during operations using an observer and a pilot who has an FAA private pilot certificate and a current medical certificate. Scott Kesselman, a writer for AUVSI News, said, With these restrictions, the FAA feels if something does go wrong, the pilot in command and observer are in a position to mitigate damages when the aircraft is in visible range. Could space travel become significantly cheaper? SpaceX, which is led by Elon Musk, has been working toward making reusable rockets a sustainable reality. Elon Musk says that the propellant itself is only about 0.3% of the cost of an approximately $60 million mission, and that if organizations can reuse rockets, it could potentially lead to a 100-fold improvement in costs. SpaceX first announced its reusable launch system three years ago, and on January 10th, SpaceX attempted to land a leg-outfitted rocket staged vertically on an autonomous barge in the ocean. To make the descent, the rocket uses one of its nine engines for deceleration and a set of grid fins for additional control. According to Elon Musk, the rocket ran out of hydraulic fluid just before touchdown, which resulted in a hard landing on the barge and the rocket being lost at sea. The next launch will be in two weeks or so, and it has been said that the next launch will have 50% more hydraulic fluid on board. With this problem fixed, Elon Musk tweeted, At least it should explode for a different reason. Good luck, SpaceX! For more information on unmanned aircraft regulations and space travel, visit robohub.org. Professor Hunter Lloyd works at Montana State University in the U.S., Apart from his day job in the computer science department, he has built quite a career as a stand-up comedian. In the past, he has toured with big names such as Jerry Seinfeld and Tim Allen, but his more recent appearances are often accompanied by a different kind of partner, Looney the Robot. Looney is an NAO humanoid developer program robot from Aldebaran Robotics. He can walk, talk, hear and balance on one leg, Together, this dynamic duo is looking to inspire students to follow their dreams in the fields of math and science. Our interviewer Audro spoke to Hunter about his career and his important work with Looney the Robot. 
Hi, welcome to Robots Podcast. Hello. Can you introduce yourself? My name is Hunter Lloyd. I am a robotics professor, computer science professor at Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana. Um, but I teach the robotics in the computer science department. And I do a little comedy on the side. And your partner's name is Looney. you talk about him? Yes, Looney the robot. Looney is a, uh, a now humanoid robot. It's a now robot made out of Paris, France, out of a company called Aldebaran um, Robotics. And he's uh, been with me for a couple of years now. And, and he, I, I, when I do my shows, my comedy shows, my comedy robot shows, uh, Looney is one of about six or seven robots that I use in the shows. Um, but Looney is the big headliner and the one that the kids and most of the people like the most because he's a humanoid and he walks and he talks and he dances and he entertains the crowd pretty well. So how'd you guys meet? Uh, well, I used to be a stand-up comic. That was my life before. Uh, and I was, it goes way back to when I started college. I first went to college on a theater scholarship. I was not an engineer by any means at that time. I, I first went as a theater major and I took a writing class and I immediately decided to major in creative writing, but then I wanted a job, so I double majored creative writing and accounting, which I thought was perfect for each other until I realized creative accounting goes to prison. So I decided I needed to do something else, possibly. So right before my senior year of college, I quit college, um, which made my parents very proud, by the way. I quit college, and I ran off to be a stand-up comic. Um, I had been writing a lot of comedy at that point, so I decided I was going to go try it, and I ended up touring for three or four years, got to open and work with a lot of famous people that are well-known names now. And then um, after about four or five years, I decided to go back and finish college and then go on to grad school in computer science and get off the road. Uh, I ended up being on the road for like six years. And, um, and then I just became a computer science professor for several years until one day somebody asked me if I would give a talk to motivate students at a high school on thinking about computer science as a major. So when I did that, there was about four or five of us that um, went together, um, four or five professors at the university that went together to this school. One was a physics teacher, and he was in the room next to me. And so I just went into this classroom trying to teach about computer science and be funny and entertain these high school kids. And every time I got to a punchline, the guy in the room next to me, this physics professor, had some kind of explosion, and he messed up every one of my punchlines. So when I left there, I said, I need some props. So I um, started building some robots, and I built several robots, and then uh, eventually from building those robots, I ran into the Now robots, and I got a Now robot, Looney. Now I have nine Now robots, Now total. And um, I started using these Now robots in the show and using Looney in the show, and I started doing more and more of these shows, at schools. And then about a year or so ago, I had a foundation come to me and ask me if I'd be willing to do a lot more of these shows. And so they sponsored me now. And, and now I'm out doing um, this show. It's called How to, How to Train Your Robot. And it's a robot comedy show. And Looney and I uh, have traveled around now um, performing this show for about four years now. But in the last year, we really started performing and picking it up a lot more. Tell me a bit about Looney. So Looney's a now robot, as I said, and a company in Paris builds the hardware. Some of the robots I have in the show, actually most of them I've built myself or I've had my students build, but Looney is, a, is more of a commercial off-the-shelf market. It's a research platform for right now, but it is going to be commercial 
hopefully here by the end of this year. And it's a humanoid robot. It's about 28 inches tall. It has, um, it, it can it can speak. It has the same voice recognition as um, the Nuance chip, which is the same thing in the iPhones. So it can understand what I program it to understand. And it has 20, I think it's 26 degrees of freedom. So its wrist and its hands and its shoulders and elbows and, and ankles, everything moved very lifelike. Um, it's got ultrasound on its chest and IRs, and it's got uh, a USB, and it's got full Wi-Fi and Ethernet. And I actually have a 3D camera, kind of like the Kinect, but it's not the Kinect. Um, it's a Action Pro Live, it's called. And, and I have one of those 3D, 3D cameras working on it, too, so it can detect obstacles. And it does face recognition, so it can understand and, you know, recognize faces. And um, it has an emotional model where it can tell if you're in a good mood or a bad mood, which which uh, is kind of fun, but kind of creepy at times. Um, and it's got a lot of things like that going on. It's a great, it's a, it's a lot of fun. The, the kids from, when I say kids, I perform in front of five-year-olds all the way up to 85-year-olds. And some of the senior citizens like Mooney more than the eight-year-old kids do sometimes. What do they like about it? They just, I mean, you know, I think a lot of times they just think it's, it's so different than anything they're around. And then, um, uh, and they don't expect much from it. Sometimes the six, seven, eight-year-old kids expect it to be their best friend and really expect it to do a lot more. Where the 65, 70-year-old people, they don't expect it to do anything. And then it does all this kind of neat, entertaining stuff. So they they really like that. What kind of gigs have you guys done together? We have, so like I said, the first year when I first started doing the robot show, I did about five shows at five schools. And this last year after the foundation asked me if I would do it, we performed at science festivals, we've, at conferences. Uh, we performed at 50 high school, junior highs um, this year. We did over 100 shows to about, they, they calculated at about 12,000 people we performed in front of this year, including um, back in January, we did a week at, and we performed in Vegas, on the strip in Vegas, in a theater in Vegas. Uh, we are opening for a juggler. Um, Jeff Savilio in um, in Vegas, and it was during the Consumer Electronics Show, so it was kind of the, the and we're gonna we're probably more than likely it looks like now we're gonna go down to the Consumer Electronics Show and perform in Vegas again this year too, um, which is a little different performing in Vegas in front of a bunch of people that just lost all their money versus a kindergarten class in some school, and um, it was uh, eye opening. But I I I kind of figured it out, and I I think we've got it down now. Got to get to the jokes a lot faster in Vegas than you do um, in a high school. When they see you in Looney's act, uh, how do people react typically? You know, usually when I come into a school, I do a little bit of introduction before I bring out any robots and, and kind of explain what I do and what's going on. Um, and so the, the, the schools have been so very, very receptive. And I've been asked back to every school I think I've ever performed in. I've never had one not invite me back. And... In in Vegas, I don't think they were expecting it at all, so it was a little bit different. But uh, afterwards, they I don't know how many people came up, took pictures with Looney, and and uh, they uh, nobody ever recognizes me. I can walk down the streets, nobody ever recognizes me. But if Looney comes out, every Looney is very well known, and um, if if the only way anybody ever recognizes me if I have Looney with me. Now you guys do a lot of traveling together. Can you talk a bit about this? Yeah, we've traveled traveled to Europe, traveled all over the world for that matter, and. So when I, I when I travel through the airports, 
you know, I don't want to, I have a, a, like a hard case to be able to put him in, to, to send him in, but I don't like doing that because I don't trust, you know, th- they don't know what's in there and they're throwing it around. So I usually push Looney in a baby carriage, kind of like he's a toddler. So I have a little stroller that I push through the, the, and then when I get to the bottom of it, about to get on the plane, it just folds up and goes under the plane. And then I can carry Looney on board and, and wrap him up in a little blanket and put him in the overhead bin. And all the people think I'm doing child abuse at that point. So I've had people in airplanes offer me, oh, we've got seats over here. And I have a great picture of Looney sitting in first class when I'm back in coach. No way. He rode to Minnesota once in uh, first class. <laughs> and I was a coach. Really, well, it was kind of depressing. But um, but uh, when you're pushing a robot through an airport in a baby stroller, you get a, a lot of grandparents love to run over and see the baby in a baby carriage. And then I do face with Looney so if he sees a human face he will wave and say hello it's mostly for kids but when grandparents run over to see a baby and they see a robot say hello they get a little freaked out by that Um, but it's usually a pretty good I have a little app that Looney does that he stands up and talks and says hello airport security and and asks them if he's in trouble and interacts with the airport security so they usually like that and they let us go and we don't have any problems what is your goal in bringing Looney to speak with students uh, for the comedy presentations? Well, originally, you know, I used to be a comic, so I used to love to perform. I used to love to be on stage. And then so originally, when I first got asked to do this, it was the university was wanting more computer science students, wanting more engineers. So they asked me to do it for that. And for me, it was more of a motivation to, hey, I can write some more jokes and perform again. And now um, I love writing the jokes and creating, being creative and creating the material. So it's a great I mean, it's great for me, but also at the same time, I love being able to motivate kids and and have them think about things that they might not have seen. This week we had, I, I actually did a show for about 30 kids. Uh, some of 16 of them or so were from inner city Chicago. Never seen anything like this before. And then some of them were from Oakland, California area who had never seen anything like this before. And it was so, it was, it was, I mean, it was great for me. I learned so much from these kids and um, it was so great for them to see their eyes light up and, and understand that there's things like this that they could do and and uh, and just a motivational factor. Um, so it's it's it, I love motivating the kids, but at the same time, they motivate me to be more creative and, and, and write. And and I don't really think there's a lot of robotic comedians out there or comedians that are robotics engineers also. So um, the originality of it and the creativity, it's just it's I love doing what I do. What are some of your more creative moments with Looney? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I have him do, it's, it's difficult to, a lot of the stuff I write, I'm not with Looney when I write things. And then I go back to Looney and actually program them. When I used to, uh, when I used to write comedy, I used to do, I write in today, I write a lot of what I do in the shower. Something about maybe me being naked. I don't know. Something's funny about that. But I write a lot of it in the shower. And so I write a lot and write a lot and come up with a lot of the apps and the ideas I come up with, Looney, to um, I do that in the shower. And then I go and I and I write to him and I try to relate what he does to what kids these days are doing and what people World Cup was recently. And, and these now robots are the World Cup of soccer. They have their own soccer tournament. So I wrote my own app to show Looney being a World Cup soccer player, but actually what he does is I roll the ball at him and he lays down and starts screaming and holding his leg, crawling foul. 
because that's mostly what I saw in the in the World Cup. So I I just I create things like that where it's not exactly what they would expect when I say something like he's about to play soccer, but I try to uh, get him to do something entertaining that will that will entertain the kids and show and show off what Looney can do. Other than comedy, uh, what creative things have you seen? The now robot doing. Well, I, I use the now robots in my classes. So I teach two senior level computer science courses that use the now robots. One of them is uh, is um, a robotics course, and the other one is a computer vision course. And so in the robotics course, one of the one of the projects I give them is I give them like a three week period and say, come up with the most creative original thing you can think of that might somebody might want this robot to do commercially or at their house and so there's a lot of games interactive games that people have come up with and and i actually have a lot of my own interactive games that that the robots can play with you there was a developer in minnesota that created a can you give me an example of a game um well i mean games that people have heard of would be uh he can I, i have mine can play battleship he can play checkers um some games like that, but and then I have one called Number Soldier, where where you have to make strategies with us. So I won an international contest. I guess I could say that um, I won an international contest with an app called Legend of Looney. And in Legend of Looney, it's kind of like I was thinking: there's no screen on a humanoid robot. Most humanoid robots, no interaction like you would normally do with a keyboard and a mouse. So I created a game that was similar to the '80s games when we had text-based games which is kind of like a dungeon master type game where Looney tells you what he sees in the game and then you have to make the decisions and tell Looney what to do in the games. Um, For instance, he'll say, I see a path to the south and the west. And then you tell him with voice recognition, go south. And then as he goes along, things happen to the robot that would happen to a robot. And then you have to tell the robot. He stumbles into a dog park and dogs want to play with him. So you have to fight off the dogs. And then he stumbles into a senior citizen home and the senior citizens don't know how to use technology. So you have to fight off the senior citizens. And there's certain ways you have to tricks you have to do to fight off the senior citizens and tell him what to do. And um, he he stumbles into traffic at one point and you got to have kind of like a frogger game where you where you dodge. He dodges traffic and he gets hit by a car, but it turns out it's a Prius. So it doesn't do anything. Things like that along the way. So it's just a kind of a big comedy thing that I wrote, that I story that I wrote that I turned into this interactive game that he is the dungeon master and and he leads you through and you've got to make it from one point of a city back to his home computer um, to be able to complete the game. And there's a big rainstorm coming and you got to make it there before the rainstorm hits and, and find ways to charge his battery, things like that. So that's one of the games. That's an interactive game that you don't see normally in in most things but there's a lot of other things there's a lot there's a lot of things that go on with the robot that you don't have on your smartphone or you don't have with the arms and the legs and the hands um to to kind of open up a whole new era of game and playing games with computers that you might not have ever thought of before so i'm working on that every day i try to come up with new ones i have a list of 72 right now on a spreadsheet i just don't have time to program them all right now how do you program now? So there's lots of different ways that people can program the nows. I personally, um, they, they comes with its own kind of inter, uh, um, integrated development environment that's called Choreograph. And that's how a lot of the animations are done. It's keyframing, similar to the way that the Simpsons 
draw out the Simpsons. You can create the keyframes, and then they give it other to other artists that draw the in-betweening frames, where with the robot, you can put in keyframes. I want the arm at this position at one second, and then at two seconds, I want it at this position. And the robot will, all the in-between of, the, of that will be done by the internal uh, operating system of the robot, which is very, because I could never sit there and do it do all the movements out by programming. So it's much easier, the keyframing, to be able to do that. The low-level stuff, when I'm doing computer vision type stuff, I do that all in C++, cross-compile it for the, uh, the the head of the Looney Now robots is basically a Linux computer, but it has its own operating system called NowKey um, interface, the kind of virtual machine that runs on top of a Linux operating system. So I cross-compile for that with the C++, but then a lot of the upper behaviors, um, a lot of that in choreograph is all done in Python language, which is another language that is more of a scripting language. You can do a lot faster prototyping type um, programming with Python. With C++ and the cross-compiling, you compile it, and then you compile it for the architecture that is the um, Looney's head. And then you move it over there, and it runs directly on the, the robot. But all of it, everything I do is runs directly on the robot. Some people do more of a remote control from a laptop, but I believe everything should be embedded on the robot so it is self-contained and it can act like uh, part of your family as it walks around your house and misses obstacles and talks to you. What challenges are there in programming a now robot? Well, not just a now robot, but any robot. I, there's a lot of challenges. They're all kind of prototype and and they're all experimental for the most part. Even the ones that are ready to start maybe going like a now that's ready to start going into people's homes, they don't repeat the exact same thing. There's a lot of motors. There's a lot of gear movements. And they don't – if you tell it to go to this position, like to be able to write something, the next time it might be a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. And and there's it, being able to be repeatable is very difficult when you're programming from one robot to another robot. They're all – a straight line to one robot is a is a 90-degree curve to another robot sometimes. So so you have to have a lot more external um, sensors that are able to detect that it's not going on a straight line. It's going a little bit left or a little bit right. So there's a lot of to be able to repeat and do those kind of things, but also um, having the users understand that it's not a perfect setting and that you have to be a little more flexible in what you're going to expect from a robot. Um, it's not C-3PO. It's not RTTT. It's not C-3PO that is able to speak a million languages and, and do the completely autonomous behavior. Um, robots can play games with you. They can interact with you. They can be a friend, but they're not going to run everything in your home and do everything for you at this point. So people the perception that people give is one of the bigger problems right now, what people are expecting of the robot. Now to speak a bit about comedy, uh, you mentioned that you were first a stand-up comic. Who were some of your early idols and influences? Um, the first two idols that I remember when I was a kid, and I really started know, understanding what, what I had two albums. One was a Bill Cosby album, and I love Bill Cosby to this day. And the other one, I still love Steve Martin too, was Steve Martin in his early wild and crazy days when when they did um, stand-up comedy. And th I never got to work with either one of those, but th those were kind of the ones that introduced me to it and introduced me what it was about. And I, uh, I still, to this day, really appreciate the clean comics. 
I mean, when I'm performing in kindergarten, kindergarten, you got to be pretty clean. What do you think is the biggest misconception about being funny? That you're funny all the time, that that's your life, that, you know, when I'm not on stage, I'm not going to, I'm not the kind of person that is going to take over a party or take over a room and be really funny. I have my time on stage and that's my time to be funny. And, and, uh, I, I, I am considered funny when I'm not on stage, I think, but I am not ever going to overtake a room or I'm a little bit more of an introvert probably than an extrovert when I'm not on stage. I observe a lot. Um, but I used to, I used to have a friend that used to love to introduce me to people and say, Hunter's a comedian, Hunter, say something funny. And it just doesn't work like that. Um, my, and that's the other thing. People always want me to do my act when I'm not on stage, and it, it's built it's built on stage. It's not built to be to entertain three people sitting around in a circle. It just doesn't work that way. I usually look very foolish if I try any of my lines when I'm not on stage. What are some important skills to being funny? You know, timing is huge when it comes to being funny, and that's a really hard thing to do with the robots because a lot of times you'll, you'll tell a joke with a punchline, and when that punchline's gets a big laugh when that laughter starts to die down then you hit it with a tagline like something else that brings the laughter back up that relates to the first punchline and then another tagline and then another tagline and if you can get three or four taglines onto a punchline it really keeps the laughter going and it's great but when you're when you've programmed a robot to tell a joke and that laughter starts to die down it's really hard to have that robot hit the right timing so there's times when the robot will i'll try a tagline with the robot and he'll talk through the Nobody hears the tagline, or it'll be a big pause before the, the first joke didn't work, and and the next line is there's a big pause before he does that next line. So timing is very uh, is very critical, and yeah, I really. Another thing, I've had jokes that one night will work, and the next night work, and the third night doesn't work at all. And I always thought it was me and my timing, which it is, um, or my delivery some nights. But it happens with the robot too. The robot will do a joke and get a big laugh two nights, and the third night he'll do the same joke and there's no laughter. So I, I have not figured out why a joke will work on some crowds and not other crowds, because it's just general public. But I've learned a lot with comedy and the using the robot. The one thing is, when I was a comedian and I would perform, I would have nights where my timing was off or I was off, and I bombed miserably. Every comic's had it happen. I There's many times that I've bombed. But with the robots now, if the jokes aren't working, I can bring out a robot and I'm a rock star. So I can't, I, I never, I very rarely ever have a bad show anymore with the robots, which is great. I love that. I used to make fun of prop comics when I was a comic. Now I am a prop comic and I love using the, uh, I'm a really bad ventriloquist because I don't, you can see my lips move, but the, the robots talk and cover me up. So that's pretty good. What advice do you have for young aspiring comics? Stage time is the number one thing. Being able to get on stage and get in front of people and being comfortable in front of people. I am much more uncomfortable in front of 100 people than I am in a room of three people by any means. Um, so being in front of the stage time and getting comfortable with being stage time and just keep writing and writing and trying and trying and, and never expect laughs. As soon as you expect laughs and you don't get laughs, you look very uncomfortable and it's, the audience will, will eat you alive. So getting on stage, and, and the more you're on stage, the more, you know, I was on stage at a school up in northern Montana, and I wasn't on stage more than 30 seconds, and a rubber band went flying past my head. Um, it was at a high school, and some high school kid shot a rubber band at me. Within 30 seconds, I, haven't even, I hadn't even said a joke yet. They didn't have time not to like me yet. 
and uh, this this rubber band went flying by my head. And I was thinking about it that if I didn't have, you know, if I hadn't done a million shows and things like that happened to me a million times, um, I probably could have lost it totally there because I had an hour to go still. And so I handled it and um, I kind of ignored it for a minute. And but too many people saw it, so I had to talk about it. And so I talked about it, turned it into a joke. Um, got the, I think I really got the high school kids on my side at that point when I laughed about it and didn't get offended. And, and I think in the old days, I might've, when I started, I might've got offended and, and really turned off the whole audience. So, um, the more stage time you get, the more you're ready for anything that happens. And, and, uh, and it's hard to get stage time these days, but, um, that's the best part is just getting as much stage time as you can. Can you relate what you've learned in comedy to doing robotics in some respects? I can. The one thing I can do about that, when I'm on stage and, and like I said, I can tell a joke one night and it might not work at all. And the next three nights it might work great. And there's no explanation for that. And the same thing with the robots. They might work three days in a row, four days in a row. And then the third day they don't work. And being able to turn that into a teaching moment with the kids, especially saying, you know, these are robots. It's not a perfect world. Uh, and, and not not being thrown off when they don't work because robots takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of uh, uh, well patience because they they don't work and in ninety percent of the time we're working with broken stuff. I tell my students that all the time. We're working with broken stuff and you got to have a lot of patience and not get frustrated when something doesn't work. And the same thing with the uh, being on stage when a joke doesn't work, you just have to I just have to accept it and move on to the next one and not let it bother me and not let the audience know that it's bothering me because that's when when you start feeling uncomfortable on stage they're going to start feeling uncomfortable and you're going to it's going to the show's going to go south really fast so they're frustrating they're both frustrating that's what it is <laughs> what is the future uh, for you and Looney you know we're going to do a lot more shows uh, we have I'm booked through November this year I think at this point uh, so a lot more shows we're going to, I'm going to start working on a lot more interactive games. Um, Looney has a cousin, I guess you could say, named Pepper that is coming out. It's made by the same company, Aldebaran Robotics, who was, uh, part of it was purchased out by a company in Japan called SoftBank. And Pepper comes out in February, in, which is really exciting for us robotics. It's coming out in February in Japan, and it's only going to cost about $1,900. It's a four-foot-tall robot, talks and walks and well, it doesn't walk. It's actually on wheels, but it talks and, and moves. And um, But it, is, it runs the exact same operating system and the exact same systems as Looney does and the now robots. So we're really excited about that. They, they share an app store, kind of like uh, iTunes or, or um, um, the Android uh, Google Play Store. They have their own store like that. So anything I write on for Looney, the games and things, will be loaded into that store, and people can download them for the peppers when the peppers come out. Or if the now robots hopefully will be commercial by the end of this year, people will be able to buy them and download those apps uh, for for the now robots by the end of this year. So we're going to build a lot more apps and just keep writing software for stage. Um, it's a little bit different writing an interactive um, game for one person versus uh, something that's performing on stage to be able to entertain a group. But so I'm going to keep writing both. We I love um, developing for the the robots and. Um, I'm going to eliminate some of the other robots and write more for Looney. So there's more now robot in this, in the show. And hopefully I am efforting uh, my own pepper robot coming so I can start incorporating pepper into the shows too. People that are interested in following Looney is on social media, right? 
Yes, Looney has a Looney the robot. It's all one word. Looney is in Looney Tunes, L-O-O-N-E-Y. My daughter names all my robots, by the way. So most people have robots named Tank and Killer and Crusher. My robots are Looney and Puddles and Sparkles and Petals and things like that. So uh, my daughter's eight years old. She gets to name all the robots. So anyway, it's Looney. So my daughter named Looney. It's L-O-O-N-E-Y, Looney the robot. And Looney has a Twitter account and a Facebook with over a thousand followers on Facebook. And we have an Instagram account, but we haven't really started incorporating Instagram, but we're going to start doing that now too. And I have a LinkedIn account. And so, yeah, he's, uh, he's out there. He also has his own webpage, looneytherobot.com with some videos and of the show and a newscast and things in some different articles and things that are out there. So yes, go follow Looney on Facebook and Twitter. We're going to start, I'm going to start Twitter tweeting a lot more. When I have an app for uh, for Looney that when Looney is where I'm working on something with Looney, he will actually tweet what I'm working on with him and he'll take pictures, images sometimes. And, and, and he can upload his own images that he takes to Twitter, which worries me sometimes. Um, <laughs> but also, I'm going to start tweeting some more, too. And wrapping up, what do you think is the future of robotics? Uh, robot in every home. That's my been my dream for a long time and interactive robots where it's it's just it's 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 out there the same as smartphones and laptops and and computers and your personal robot that uh, monitors your home and you can interact with your phone from anywhere and you're able to uh, to have a little buddy at your home that does a lot of things for you and I think we are a hundred percent closer this year than we were two years ago from that and I really believe that uh, it, it is going to be there I, I've always say that the, the world of robots is kind of like the personal computers back in the 80s where everybody knew what they were, but nobody knew really what to do with them. And then in, in, in Tim Berners-Lee came along with the World Wide Web. And when the World Wide Web came around, then everybody needed that laptop. And now everybody has the personal computer and laptops and the, the phones to interact. And, and the personal robots are kind of waiting for that app, their own app, their own World Wide Web type app to make a mainstream but I think it's right around the corner. It could be here any day now. We're going to start seeing it more and more. There's so many more companies and so much more investment coming into robotics. It's an exciting time for robotics. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode. And if you haven't had enough, just visit our website at robotspodcast.com where you can find more information, images and videos, plus all our past episodes. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Looney with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.